I got you, and that's all I want. I won't forget. That's a whole lot. I don't go out now that you're in. Sometimes we shout out, 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 but that's no problem. I don't know why sometimes I get frightened. You can see my eyes and tell that I'm not lying. Look at you. Doom, 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 doom. You're a pageant. You're everything ing, 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 that I've imagined. Something's wrong. I feel uneasy. You show me. You tell me you're not teasing. <laughs> I don't know why sometimes, sometimes I get frightened. <laughs> you can see my eyes and tell that I'm not lying. That's it. I'm done with that bullshit song. <laughs> <laughs> this is Invert the Y. Episode start out log, Captain's Log 12.1.5.9 and the USS Invert the Wise orbiting another planet of retrodom and bullshit. And today I got him back. I've got fantastic Phil, Thank the you. scared one. <laughs> <laughs> He's come back in. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming, man. No, thank you. And thanks for, for thanks for doing another episode with me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no. Um, I enjoyed the first one a lot. So, yeah, thanks for having me back. You're the champion, man. Now, you know why I sang that song? No. Oh, it was because I'm scared. I was scared. Well, the reason why I sang that song, that was by Split Ends. I think it was released in uh, 1980. Yeah. Right. Now, Split Ends are a New Zealand... Kiwi band. Kiwi band, really. The Finn Brothers. Australia have... Claimed, is that true? Yeah, I hate Australia? that shit when we claim Claimed stuff things. that's by, the, by New Russell Zealand. Russell Crowe, another, is he? Yeah, playing? yeah, another one. Uh, there's, there's so many, Dragon's another band. Oh, that was, Dragon, we didn't talk at all. No. Oh, bit of a Dragon fan. I know you're a huge Dragon fan. Well, Mark Hunter was oh, born yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah. and uh, But they were predominantly an Australian band, but he's a Kiwi. And so were the Finn Brothers. Yeah, yeah. From, uh, from uh, Split Ends. But the reason why I sang Split Ends, not one, because I love them. I reckon they're a great yeah. 80s band. Oh. Awesome 80s band. But the real reason is is that Split Ends, well, we're not sponsored, sponsored by them today, but you know what? If you want to avoid Split Ends, <laughs> try Sports Cough. <laughs> That's right. Just like Split Ends, you can avoid any kind of drama with your hair, and that's to get Sports Cough shampoo. I don't have any hair, but I still use it. We're not sponsored by Schwarzkopf Shampoo. I wish we were. <laughs> Schwarzkopf. All types of body hair, or actual hair on your head, but you can probably use it on your body, who knows? Make it conditioned and fluffy. <laughs> Lustrous. Schwarzkopf, check it out today. We're not sponsored by them. Now I'll hold this button down. Arnold Schwarzenegger probably could have been a good vocal person for Schwarzkopf. You can, can you, you was it you that used to do a decent Arnie impersonation? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> can, can you do Arnie doing an, like uh, a Schwarzkopf? Oh God, I don't know. Come on, do it. Put on the Schwarzkopf. <laughs> That's cool. Look at your hair. Do it to your hair. Go Hagen, give these Go people Hagen. some shampoo. Go Hagen, give these people hair. <laughs>
<laughs> awesome. Thanks for coming back, man. Appreciate Thank it. You. So topic of the show is the one that we, we've been talking about for ages, and yep. I'm going to need your help. I really do, because I'm no expert here. We want to talk about Bond, mm. James Bond. Yep. Right? You're a massive fan of James Bond. Yeah. You have I, been for as long as I can remember. I personally could take it or leave it. I'll be really upfront with you on that. So, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, James Bond and go over what's going on in the current uh, present day, but also what's been going on in the past with James Bond. Yeah, yeah, Because I don't think you've had anyone on. Never. Um, well, I like this podcast is that there's a good eclectic mix of nerdism, I suppose, and like a lot of things that the people have been on before I really enjoy, like your video games, your music, obviously we talked about that before, Yep. Um, cars, Formula One, um, whilst not being an expert in things like Formula One, but no one's really sort of brought up Bond or, and I suppose its impact, the impact it had on me yep. and, and on movies and so forth. So, yeah, let's give it a go. All right, let's go for it. Okay, so where do you want to start with James Bond, man? Where do you want to start the books? Where it, all, where it actually originated, right? It originated with, with the Ian, Ian Fleming yeah. novels. Yeah, I, I guess most people, most people know James Bond, whether they like it or not. It's probably, God, it's up there with one of the biggest movie franchises um, ever. Um, I think grossing wise to break it down, it's probably seventh though, because a lot of I think like you know Marvel have come in just recently yeah. and smashed, smashed everything. Yep. Star Wars. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord of the Rings is probably, from a franchise point of view, um, even bigger than that. But Bond has had that. It's definitely, as far as I understand, one of the oldest or longest running movie um, titles or sequences ever, I think. I mean, the first movie came out, what, 1962? Right. And, um, yeah, has been going, apart from a bit of a hiatus, has been going ever since. And, and yeah, there's the new one coming out at the time of this podcast that's coming out next year um, in in April. Yeah, we'll um, talk about that because there's a bit of... Yeah. A bit of turmoil, (laughs) a bit of drama behind the scenes. Well, at least with what... The, the fans want to see from a, from a James Bond movie. Yeah. But what I'm curious to uh, talk to you about is the, the movies up to this point. Yeah, I mean... And the books as well. Yeah, look, a bit like our, our, that other podcast we did, you know, it's music is so broad, you can talk about it for hours, and Bond's probably a bit of the same. And we, we've got movies that have been going for that long, and also novels, not only by Fleming, but there's a whole raft of books. Um by other authors as well who have done books. So you can talk about that for ages as well. But it all started with Ian Fleming, didn't it? It all started with his novels, um, with Casino Royale being the first one, which um, has had a, actually two movies made of it. But um, most people probably, I, I don't know. It's the Daniel assumption. Craig. The Daniel, it was the first of the Daniel Craig yep. movies um, that came out. Um, so you're probably going to hate me with a with what I'm about to say. No, no, I won't hate. No, you, haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. you got no hate in your in your body. You're a beautiful man. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, what I was going to um, to say is is that I jumped into Bond probably around the – with Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. Yeah. And that – I know a lot of people didn't like Daniel Craig for that particular movie, but I liked it only because me being me – Daniel Craig portrayed James Bond in a way I always pictured James Bond to be, even though that's not how he was reflected in the novels. But I kind of wanted James Bond to be a bit of a badass, right, and be a bit mean. And Daniel Craig kind of portrayed that in Casino Royale, at least. 
And you know in that scene where he's in the bathroom and he's smashing... It's the opening scene. The opening scene. Yeah. And he's doing the uh, the running through the wall and then he's doing all the parkour through the... the well, the, the guy he's chasing is doing the parkour through the, for, through the city there and he just basically runs through a wall. I thought, man, that's... That's James Bond, in my opinion, but I know a lot of people don't agree with that because leading up to Daniel Craig, James Bond was always a bit more sophisticated. Am yeah. I right or am I way off? No, I mean, um, yeah, look, I think the Daniel Craig interpretation of Bond, um, some people didn't like, I mean, the visual aspect of him because he was blonde, yep. um, which again goes to, against sort of the, I suppose, to really get into it like Fleming's a bit different to how he visually looks but um definitely well that whole from Casino Royale <clears throat> and onwards was a well that was a reboot a re refreshing and a reinvigoration of where Bond was because before that you had the Brosnan um era and that sort of ended on a really well that that arguably in in some of the Bond universes um the last movie that he did was a bit could be argued disappointing. Which movie was that? Sorry, uh, that was, um, that was Die, Die Another Day. Um, wait, that's uh, yeah, Die Another Day. That was in two thousand and two, right? Um, so it, it needed a reboot, didn't it? Because in that time, remember you had the Bourne movies come out. Yep, and um, Matt Damon was Matt Damon. Jason so Bourne. there was a whole. You know, needed a refreshing, bring it up to the modern era and so forth like that. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, so let's go through the movies. Yeah. All right, because uh, you've told me some interesting stories about the actors. Yeah. And so the, what's the first movie that came out that was uh, an ap- adapta- adaptation from Ian Fleming? Ian Fleming's novels. What was the first movie that came out? The first Eon produced. So, okay, it's a lot of the Bond movies have been produced solely by Eon to get, um, and they've had the rights for most of them and done them. They're the major block of it. They've done like the 20, 24 at the moment and about to release the 25th. So there was a weird TV show even before Dr. No that Ian Fleming signed the rights to, um, which was um, a weird American TV. It's, I, I actually haven't seen it, but it's it was only like an hour special. But the first real movie in, in the canon, you could say, was Dr. No, um, starring Sean Connery, which was produced on a pretty low budget. Um, they wanted Thunderball to be the first movie, but that w- that the rights for that was signed away in a, another sort of rabbit hole of a story. Um, but yeah, Thunderball being the first, Sean Connery, it introduced the classic theme song, um, the f- you know the, f- the four note. I think that was written by John Barry, even though it might not have been credited to him. Um, Doctor No being the the villain, um, it's set in Jamaica where the um, Ian Fleming lived and based himself and wrote a lot of the books. Some of the filming was done not too far from it. Ursula Andress coming out of the ocean. Um, as that iconic scene as well. Um, so yeah, it was done on a lower budget. It was quite raw. Um, it follows the the novel quite well. I feel like it actually captures that mood of that time. And it was, um, I mean, yeah, of course, this is a movie that's over fifty years. So you watch it now, and it's dated, probably a bit. But yeah, that was the one that kicked it off. 
And so the Doctor No in the uh, pecking order for the novels, where does it sit? Because if Casino Royale was his first novel, what's Doctor No? I think Doctor No is fifth. It's right down there. It's actually not. So um, why would they have picked that as opposed to Casino Royale starting off the movie franchise? Well, Casino Royale was actually, the right to that was sold to a, a David Niven movie that's a complete piss take. It's a spoof and it's quite awful. And um, it's actually been uploaded. That movie now is, um, has been uploaded onto the streaming service Stan. So you can actually go and watch that one as well. So um, well, in my opinion, it's pretty it's pretty silly. Yeah. But um, so it all came down to um, Ian Fleming, who wrote the books, who was signing away um, movie rights because he actually intended to – he wrote the book. This is what I, I understand and I've read, that he wrote the books with the intention of them actually being made into movies. So there was sort of like that bigger picture, I suppose, from him. Um, and But in, saying, in doing that, to get scripts or to get ideas to cinemas, he actually signed away – Thunderball was signed to someone – so there was a bit of trouble with that, um, getting made into a movie and Casino Royale, the first book, and they they couldn't make it. They couldn't make that as the first movie, so they just chose Doctor No. Right. So from so it's basically legal. Yeah, it's like a legal, legal thing. reasons. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we go from Doctor No. Well, you know what we'll do. We'll, you've got this. Um, we should say, you've got this. Uh, the DVD or Blu-ray box set of all the. James Bond movies up until Sky, well, including Skyfall, haven't you? Yeah, Skyfall. So yeah. then Spectre was the is the most recent release. Yeah. So so what's after Doctor? So we'll go through the movies. Yeah, if you if you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, um, so what's yeah, after we'll, Doctor No? We'll talk about the movies because the books are a whole myriad in themselves, and you know there's a lot of other things about it. So from Russia with Love was the next one again. Sean Connery. Um, that uh, in my opinion, that's a really good. It's a really good movie. It's actually still, I suppose. In the early days, you know, Cold War was a big thing and the, the first few movies are a bit spy genre They're a bit p- probably true to how – with with obvious, you know, movie excitement and dramas and so forth like that. But From Russia and Love was another another good one. So, um, again, Russia was involved clearly in the title as well. Yep. And, you know, Bond had to um, had to assist a, you know, a Russian agent to, um, to bring – an artifact or an important documentation without spoilers back to the UK. So um so moving on from that one, then you had probably the next look, the one that one that a lot of people remember, I'm sure you'd know is Goldfinger, which yep. is the next movie. Shirley Bassey was the singer. Yeah, well I mean look, you've got the big that really came in with that big opening number. Actually, to me as well, it's got probably one of the best... Bond movies are known for their intros. You know, there's a formula that part of that formula hasn't changed over a long period of time. And part of that's because the same people have been producing it for so long. So some people might see that as a criticism because there's like it's not really adapted or changed outside of a mould. Yep. But then again, part of it, part of what well, I feel as well, that that's what's kind of nice about it, that it has been able to continue with those themes all the way through. Um, and Goldfinger introduces with, I mean, look, Bond is all fantasy uh, and it's escapism, but uh, allegedly the scene where Connery came in into a, um, it comes in at a wetsuit, drops a bomb off, um, then changes out of the wetsuit into a tuxedo um, looks down at his watch in a bar while they're all dancing around and 
I mean, the watch he looks at again is another aspect about Bond is all the gadgets, the, the product, and everything, the product also placement, a bit of product placement, yeah. But um, this was an unintentional product placement. But he looks down at his Rolex, um, the big crown one, and looks at the, you know time, and then bang, the the bomb goes off. Everyone runs in chaos, and he's just standing there, suave, smoking, you know, like smoking his cigarette. And that's then the Shirley Bassey song comes in, and um, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's big. Big production, big yeah, budget yeah. at that time, and that's the first movie you that had that big product, big production. They wanted to break into America, so the first two movies were, um, um, you know, they wanted to, the first two movies were in. Uh, well, the first one was in Jamaica and that kind of thing, a little bit of Europe. The second one was in Europe because they had a big market, big following at that time. This one was like, look, let's go into the American market as well. So, and you know, Goldfinger introduced the Aston Martin. Um, to its proper, you know, how we know, you know, with the ejector seat. Yeah, right. And the guns and the revolving. Um, I think it even had a sat-nav in it at that time in the 60s. And Connery really sort of fell into the role by then, you know. he's um, And Goldfinger, you know, tied as a villain. He, he's tying his... He's um he's tying Bond to a table with a laser going at him, you know. So that or the, the sort of the more... Um, is it campy? Is that the right uh, way? You know to what put I was it? about to say. The okay. Over the top villain. Yeah. Is so here's to the problem, in. right? So um, I was going to say the one reason why I didn't particularly get into Bond until either talking through you much much later or uh, Casino Royale with Daniel Craig is because I always felt it was too campy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was always a bit too silly, and then you get like. Uh, Austin Powers taking the absolute piss out of it later on, which is a 100% rip-off of, of Bond. But I guess that's kind of its charm. Yeah, they're fans. that They're like, they're fans of it. And you're right, like that the whole, as the movies go on and on and they've built up that repetition, the same sort of story, the same form. So people obviously loved it. But then, oh yeah, Austin Powers is um, one hundred. Actually, Austin Powers is one of the highest-grossing spy movies out there as well. <laughs> so it? it's classed as. So you've got your Bonds, your Bonds, and stuff like that. I think um, the Mission Impossible series is classed as that too. But yeah, Austin Powers there is a <laughs> high-grossing spy movie uh, genre. So yeah, moving on. Like um, yeah, so Goldfinger brought in in that elaborate, you know, the villain, the over-the-top villain, and the ridiculously over-the-top, pointless. A giant room with a map that turns, you know, comes out of the ground. And so, who be- who built that? Who built that prop? Who like? Why would the villain spend all that money and time to build? In this one, it's a um, a bank vault that they want to break into and so forth. That's so over the top. Odd job. The classic villain with the um the hat that he throws and decapitates people and so forth like that. So yeah, Thunderball. The next one, nineteen sixty five. Um, again, um, big introduces um. Blofeld, uh, he's he's um, one of his big main nemesis that actually they reintroduced and brought back out in the most recent movie, um, Spectre and so forth. Again, big over-the-top scenes. The budget was increasing. Sean Connery. I, I think Thunderball was a really good movie. That was one of the movies that had the problems to get off the ground because the rights were bought by another guy. But eventually the people who, Saltzman and Broccoli, got whatever an agreement and they were able to produce it. Um, yeah, so um, – and that was then – then um, Connery's last 
in this sort of sequence was You Only Live Twice, which yeah. I enjoy. So what's he done by this stage? He's done four. <coughs> yeah, he's done four. Done four movies. Yeah, I, I enjoy all, all the Bonds. I think all of them have their place. Because I'm going to ask you what's your favourite Bond yeah. at some stage. Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get to that. Um, I think all the Bonds are enjoyable for a lot of reasons. And, and what I hear from other people and other fans, you know, each, each has their likes and their dislikes. But um, I do feel that the Brosnan era was a bit weak. Yeah. Um, in saying that, there's some some positives out of it. But um, yeah, the last Connery was you only live twice. Again, they went crazy big. Um, some really good soundtracks um, across all the movies, but um, some really good pieces of music in you only live twice. Um, that was set in Japan. Again, introduced iconic um, uh, gadgetry with little Nelly, this helicopter that Q brought over and packed up. Then bonds flying around and shooting down helicopters with and so forth like that. You know, there's a there's a hidden the, the classic villain hidden lair in a mountain that pulls back that captures and takes rockets. So you're really getting into Austin Powers, yeah, sixties territory, yeah. Um, you know that that stage and then, and then that was Connery's um that was Connery's last, um, and they I guess whether he ret- I can't recall whether he just. That again, he had enough, he or, had enough said, or whatever. You said you're getting a bit too. Because how old would Sean Connery have been in this era? What do you? How old do you know? I think. Do you think he the, was the Bond character was designed or sort of written as a in their thirties, mid to late thirties type right. age, a bit you know war torn and ragged and you know sophisticated just, and all that. Sort well, of. Yeah, well, Bond's rigid, like. Sophisticated, yes, to a certain point of view. Fleming used a lot of imagery in his books. Like he used a lot of um, product placement, but not, again, for advertising, but to, to capture it the type of style. Like, you know, his aftershave to use, um, the cigarette brands he smoked and so forth. But that was used to, to create the picture of who he was. But Bond was also, well, he is actually basically an alcoholic. And in the books he struggles with a bit better that the whole fact that he is at the end of the day the license to kill is he's killing people and you know, the human toll of that, um, which the movies never really, they tried, I think they try and do that in the modern series a little bit. Um, And you could say the Dalton bond eras sort of brought that element into it, but um, really the movies don't, they do obviously license to kill. And he's always killing someone in a movie. He's probably got a really high body count, probably up there with Schwarzenegger's body count. When you yeah. think about it, probably not that high. Well, Nathan Drake and Uncharted. Or Nathan Drake and yeah, Uncharted. Just, <laughs> that's horrific. It's yeah. terrible. Um, so yeah, but, um, but as the movies go along, they lose that, the sort of the aspect of what the, the books were. Cause Fleming had died by the time her majesty's secret service came out in 1969 and then it was really, you know, taken over by... There are other books written and so forth by other people. So, dumb question. <clears throat> are all the movie titles, are they the same as the book titles? There is... There's uh, some... There's a bit of a flow, yes, um, all the way through. Um, the, the books ran out... Well, they stopped the movies based on the books, I think, uh, The Living... No, at License to Kill. Which was the Timothy Dalton one, and they're not. I don't think there was a book that licensed to kill. Are they chronological in any way? Nah, not no. really. And they don't refer to each other as a nah. past tense thing. So whatever happened in, I don't know, Doctor No, was never referred to again in a future movie or something like nah, that. And bits of 
bits of the books you'll find incorporated into movies, but there's no chronological order. Like there'll be some sequences in in that side that will be put into into some of the movies that just prop up that are quite surprising when they were used. But but yeah, but basically, to my understanding, once Piers Brosnan came in, they were all brand new stories, pretty much. Not so Ian Fleming stories. Not Ian Fleming stories, but they all use theories and terminology remember they're produced by the, the universe same. was the same universe is the same produced by the same people essentially with different directors of course and cast but the the universe is still essentially the same okay yeah um lazenbury did so australia oh you gotta tell me about this these are cracking stories well yeah lazenbury is interesting because he just sort of like swaggered his way into so yeah connery stepped down and so he stepped out so he's done the a uh, gold with goldfinger yeah, and it ended on so Goldfinger, Thunderball, and you only live twice. You only live twice, and, <coughs> and then then we, then we move into what? What's the next movie? Uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service, okay. which um, they were looking for a new Bond, and they were auditioning, you know, well-known actors. And uh, the story has it that Lazenbury, um, he <laughs> he went and bought a suit that looked like Sean Connery. He he never acted before, but he did. He's a male model, and so he did a lot of um, magazine publications and so forth like that. And um, he went and bought a suit, exactly like Connery's. He had a Rolex um, and he just basically rocked up to the interview and just swindled his way in. And he was, you know, he fit the look, the dark-haired, tall tall bloke, and um, managed to get the role, managed to convince them that he was some kind of actor and so forth. And then he got... But he was not an actor. He never acted He never acted. In his life. <laughs> There's a whole... So he's a complete sham. Oh, no, I don't know if he's a chef. But he didn't. He was not an actor. It seems very Australian that he can yeah, just yeah. like very, very Australian, you know, to just rock up, rock up, mate. Yeah, how you going? How you going? And uh, yeah, I, I, I can do this. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> like, and just get the gig. And he got the gig. And um, um, I like Her Majesty's Secret. So I, I think it's it's got a really cracky. Another thing about we talked about music before. And you could probably, and people have, I know there's other podcasts out there, they talk about the music behind Bond as well. And there's been a lot of lot of, a lot of, of songs, a lot of things written, a lot of things associated with it are really iconic. And Her Majesty's Secret Service is um, one of the good soundtracks. Um, again, they're all John Barry, who's a very well-known um, composer and has a, um, a certain particular sound. Um, and that adds, it all adds, all the, some of parts add into what why I love it and yeah. why I think why others do. It just gets quite quite epic. And how did he hold up as a as a James Bond in the, in that you movie, can, in your opinion? I think you can see that sometimes the acting wasn't up to scratch. Um, but I think look wise, story wise, it's quite good. Terry Telly Savalas is the villain. Oh yep, and I don't know. I never could take Telly Savalas very seriously. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, and there's lots of Bond girls who are now seem to be quite controversial oh, in we'll the modern that, age yeah. in, that, in that movie, but, um, it is a bit, bit of a silly story, but that's the one that's actually the Bond gets married in this without, too, well, I'm spoiling it. Um, he gets married and then there's a, a, she dies at the end of it, which, um, I mean, part of that again is that sort of trying to show that he, he can't tie down, he you can't do this job and be in relationships type thing because it's just too yeah you know it's just the nature of a an agent per yeah. se. Um, Lazenbury only lasted 
one movie. Is it? What's the reason for that? They, he he wasn't <coughs> convincing. He didn't get back then the, the yeah. reviews that people wanted to for him to get in the studio, or was there? He it, just dropped out. There could have been. They meant to sign him for either four or five more. They wanted to sign him. They they it it actually um, the movie did quite well. Um, and they wanted to sign him, but he wasn't going along with in the interview process post. I don't think this, he handled the the pressure. And Connery built Bond up already at that point to be an iconic and a certain way. You dress a certain way that whatever what people assume like associate with Bond, you know the suave, he's very suave, yeah. yep. You know the womanizing, all that kind of stuff. He he built that up. They built that up successfully already at that point. Um, Lazenbury didn't. Well, my understanding was he didn't really. Re- sort of react to that quite well, uh, appeared on some interviews post talking about it. He, he let his beard go, his hair was long, you know, it was starting to get into the 70s then and and he just didn't have the look. So and they expected him from the studio's perspective, they expected the actor that played Bond to remain almost in, almost character. in character the whole time. Yeah, like whether that whether that's exactly how it went down, but that is the impression I got about it. But also that seems to be um, what I've, you know, research and heard about it that Lazenbury just didn't really want to partake and continue in it. So yeah. he he said no. He tore up the contract. It was worth a lot of money, and he walked away. And that was it. That was the Australian. Um, that's his connection. Yeah. There's never been a Bond in a Bond movie in Australia. I think that's the only really connection of Australia. To no, but we had Bond. Mission Impossible too. That was awful. That was pretty bad. Yeah, Mission Impossible. I think when you think about that. To me, they got better as they went along, which oh, is pretty yeah. rare. Yeah, yeah, they have. But um, anyway, that's another that's another, another topic, topic for another day. <coughs> so, what, what what happens after the uh, Her Majesty's service? Yeah, okay. So then they're looking around, and they um, um, I may have got this wrong, but Timothy Dalton was actually kind of in the running for um to be the next Bond, who actually went on to be a Bond later in the 80s, right? Yeah. But he I was, was either ga- deemed too young or he was doing something, okay. another thing. But I, was, I was just about to ask, sorry, I was about to ask a super dumb question. So we're in what, 1970? We're from 69 to 71. So okay, 71 so is when Diamond's off. Um, sorry, I've completely missed it. Connery came back. Connery comes back for one more because they had a trouble with Lazenbury. Yeah, so Lazenbury he's is a problem. He's dropped out. So didn't, yeah, didn't want to do another one, and so what? Connery's come back. Connery comes back for for one more within the Eon public um, production, and that's Diamonds Are Forever. So that's in nineteen seventy one, which um he was looking a bit older, and um it's you know in terms of I suppose fans, it's not received as well as um as his earlier movies. Uh, it's uh, soundtrack wise, I actually quite like the soundtrack for it. Um, Action-wise, it gets a bit silly. It, it doesn't really flow along the the book as well. You know, using diamonds and, and that kind of stuff as a and moving that around illegally and criminally and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. So and then Connery went out on a on on that last one. Um, they moved on then to um, uh, then who were they looking for? And this is where I think yeah they were they were looking probably more for. I don't think Pierce Brosnan was coming in that stage, but they would have been sniffing around Brosnan at some point. It might have been too early at this point. I was just going to say, so both Timothy, Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan would have been quite young. Because mm. you're talking mid-70s now, aren't you? Well, yeah, so 
um, Roger Moore came into it um, in 70, yeah, like so that movie came out in 73. So Roger Moore, Roger Moore as he, we know, he came would, in he, to be the next he, Bond after win. Connery. Yeah. Um, but I think Roger Moore was actually older than Connery. So, um, really? Yeah. So he looked younger. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah. The the more years bring in um, a more of a campy, a very, you know, a suave, tongue in cheek. Um, I, I actually am a fan of the Roger Moore. I was just going to say, don't like him. I'm at just going to I'm just going to put my cards on the table right now. Roger Moore is my favourite Bond, <laughs> and not. And I just said at the start of the podcast, I wasn't a guy that really uh, watched a lot of the movies, but the movies I watched tended tended to be the, the Roger Moore years. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's because that's when. They were, sh- you know, you're shown on television. They were still relatively fresh when we were growing up. Pretty, you know, they're that, only, that, that's what it could be. They're only a decade old yeah. or something by that time. Yeah. But one thing, when you look back at the the interviews of people who the past Bonds who have played it, Roger Moore, you can tell he loved it. He loved being oh, Bond. Shit, yeah. He loved. He loved. He had a swagger, man. The ho- when he walked, he had a he swagger. Was a swarth, man. Oh fuck yeah, he was a swarth motherfucker. That's what he was because he he had a. There was something about him, and the way he spoke was so eloquent. Oh yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, because he came from the Saint, so um, I think he again he was signed up to be it. A lot of these guys, it seems they picked, they wanted, they knew who they wanted early on, but yep. either for whatever reasons, um, Rosalind was doing Remington Steel or whatever it oh, is. I remember and that. And he couldn't show. do it. Yep. Dalton was either too young and and but he's a Shakespearean trained actor, so he yep. whatever he couldn't do it. Um, I think Roger Moore, they probably thought they wanted, but he couldn't do it because of the saint anyway. Um, and eventually they sign up for it. But um, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of the of the Moore years. So, um, what, so what movies are the Moore years? Starts off with Live and Let Die. Um, Paul McCartney doing oh, the, yeah. the theme song. Guns and Roses. Yeah, Guns and Roses a did a couple. That podcast. would have been Paul McCartney with Wings? Or am I wrong? Or was that just oh, Solo? Oh, it's Solo. Yeah, it's... Paul McCartney, I think it's credited as. Um, it is with wings. Oh, yeah. man, yes. Well done. Well, <laughs> fuck yes, I got one. <laughs> I'm proud of myself for that. Sorry, I just pulled that out of my ass. But, um, yeah, look, um, Jane ring, Seymour. Ding, ding, ding. Ring, that's yeah, it. That's right. <laughs> Jane Seymour is the Bond girl. Um, yep. And... Um, Sorry, dumb question. Sorry, fantastic film. Sorry. Up until this point, was there always a Bond girl? Yeah, there, were, there always, has, gonna, always has been up until up until now. Okay, that's important. We'll get to that later <coughs> on. So there's always been a Bond girl. Yeah. Okay. There's always been the formula of, of the Bond girl and there's always been the, uh, the I suppose, the Bond girl who is murdered or killed off. Yep. There's, there's always usually a side lackey. Yep. Um, Felix Leiter might be the CIA agent. There's always some someone who assists him. There's always been M, yes, um, his secretary, Money Penny, yes. Uh, to us, maybe so not so much on the first few movies. Um, Q as well. He's always had the quarter quartermaster with all the gadgets that came in. I think that might have been Thunderball. Q, um, Q came in, so Q was played by the same actor for many years. Is it Desmond Lewin? Um, he he um. 
you know, so that's the same formalism. Part of that's again because the same people have controlled it for yeah, so long. Yeah. So um, yeah. So there's always been that part of Bond that's very familiar and really set in a structured way in the movies, in the Eon movies. So what are we up to now? Fantastic um, film. Yeah, Live and Let Die, and then Man with a Golden Gun that had um, um. Oh my god, I've forgotten his name. It happens when you do a podcast. It's you funny, get a brain. You get a brain fart. You get a brain. Yeah, it's and people pick on me. They ring me up like later and they go, "Oh, you can't say a word, or you got that wrong." <coughs> it happens when you try and do a podcast. It's weird. You sit down in front of a microphone and all of a sudden your brain just forgets. Whereas like normally it'd be off the top of your head so quickly. But we've got we've got a little thing called Google and the internet these days, and we can. I'm sure it's it Christopher Lee. That's the... Um, he was always a baddie. Yeah, it's the villain. Yeah. That's what it is. With the superfluous nipples, so he's got three nipples. And he had the golden gun, which is probably the... He was paid a million a shot, and he's got a gun that's made out of um, cigarette lighter parts, and he puts it together, and that was his that was his, assassin, his assassin's <laughs> weapon. So again, it's bizarre, crazy stories. And the little guy, his little companion is the guy in Fantasy Island. Yeah, the plane, the plane. Mini, mini me. Yeah, <laughs> mini me. So it's got that. And... um. Yeah, more sort of, I suppose, getting into a bit more of his, you know, the raised eyebrow yeah. and the, uh, the suave voice and yeah. settling, starting to settle into the, the classic Roger Moore years. So, so do, you, do you feel that it is overly campy during these more years? It's getting, it's starting to build into that. Um, again, sometimes I think the more ones get a bit of unfair criticism, but you're probably going to find it's, it's what you grew up on is what you'll, the ones you will like with and I know my first probably memory of a Bond movie is actually a more one with View to a Kill I just have a memory of that being on television and um, that's a one of these that's actually his last one so um, so his last movie that he does is A View to a, view view to to a, a kill. kill okay but you know they're, they're travelling around the world so um, so Live and Let Die was set in America quite a bit Um and down in the deep south, man with a golden gun moved to Asia. I don't think they ever went to that point. So they're really starting to branch out on the exotic locations, which is another Bond trait. Yeah. Um, fast cars, the women, the yeah. action, and the exotic the locations and the gadgets. Yep. The gadgets were starting to come into play. Um, the um, There's a whole world and a myriad of world of gadgets and its offshoots with it <coughs> and, um, and product placement. So um, an example of that is the watches that Bond has had yes. for his, his whole period of time, and that's they've been it's been supremely influent, like influential on pop culture and in that community, like what what watches he's worn and how they've sold. But so by this age too, they're starting to move into the digital quartz age to go off on a bit of a tangent for it. So they left Rolex and so forth behind, which was never really an official sponsor back then. But by this time, Seiko had started to come into play. So you've got you've got product placements and so forth starting to get into and people sort of positioning to sell things, and that had started to come in more in the in the more. So they're 80s. paying they're <coughs> paying the studio ridiculous amounts of money to stick their, yeah their, to place their their watch on there into yeah it. yeah. Um, so yeah, is I, that why? Sorry, is that why you like watches so much? Uh, it's part of it. I guess it's. Do you still collect watches? Uh, I'd like, I'd like to. Yes. 
That's another rabbit hole. That oh, dude, I, could, I reckon I could do a podcast with you just on watches. Yeah, we could. And do people that. that go, that is going to be the most lamest thing you've boring. come up with. Boring, <laughs> right? But I tell you now, I can't believe the science that goes into a watch. Yeah, but like an analog watch. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But Bonds—they're actually a tool, and they have been in that in these movies. They're they're part of the plot. Um, in the in. Um, live and let die. Yeah, he escapes from a being tied up because his submariner has a um the bezel, which is what a diving watch has to um measure elapsed time for divers. But that bezel's got a blade on it, so that spins around and that cuts the rope that gets them free. So they're all <laughs> plot devices, and and a lot of the Seikos that were used in like the in the Moore era is they all had you know printouts and calculators and all that kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff. So they were plot devices. Um. The 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 blah, 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 blah. it happens. It happens. Blah, blah, blah. Um, my probably my favorite Bond movie you mentioned before is the next one, which is the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, that's what, what year's that? Nineteen seventy-seven. And we're still talking Roger Moore. We're still talking Roger uh, okay. Moore. He really, I feel he hit his stride in this in this movie. Um, it introduces um, Jaws, who is. Another iconic, for those who know, another iconic villain. So he's um, Richard Keel. He's very tall. He has the metal jaws as his weapon. Um, and he's an assassin himself. And basically, he's kind of like a Terminator. You know, right. come on, the Terminator. He's like, the, <laughs> he's kind of like that because he's just unstoppable. Like, he yeah. just will still go and, you know, he's huge. He's a huge villain. But the spy who loved me, I mean, Barbara Bach as well, who ended up marrying Ringo um, from the Beatles. Ringo Starr, yeah. She's, um, you know, she herself is an agent, so she's, um, I suppose she's the the main Bond girl in it. Um, It introduces um, the Lotus Esprit, um, the iconic, probably the next biggest iconic car outside of the the silver Aston Martin DB9. The DB9 was the classic... Uh, yeah. Bond car that I can recall, and they're still using that car. They're still using the DB9 even up to this day in yep. the current, yep. the current, the current movie that's coming out. Yep, um, it, as part of it as well. But the Lotus, see the Lotus in a way, that's a, again product placement because what it said is that someone who worked for Colin Chapman and Lotus in the UK deliberately parked the new Jaro design Lotus out the front of the studio. Because it was such a radical design, the wedge shape design, um, you know that how Lamborghini Contash has had that sort of wedgy shape. Yep. So the Lotus Esprit had that. So they deliberately parked it out the front to get the attention of the producers to say, "Hey, look at this car. Let's use that in the film." And it worked. And they got a Lotus Esprit coming in off um, Q de Lusit down in um, Sardinia, um, another amazing exotic location. And though James Bond's racing around, you know, with a Bond girl up in the hills and all that kind of stuff, and that's the iconic car that turns into the submarine that probably everyone, a lot of people, know oh about. yeah, yep. Was that the car you showed me before? Before we recorded? That's a different Lotus, a different uh, okay. Lotus Esprit. But again, so uh, sort of a product placement, but it's a plot device as well. But I guess that was well, everything had a purpose, didn't it? Yeah. In, in Bond movies, everything had a purpose, and even if it was a pen. It had some kind of purpose. Yeah, that, um, in a non-Eon produced Sean Connery Bond um, later in the 80s, um, 
um, never say never again. He's his cue gives him a pen. That's and right. Shoots a bullet. That's right. I remember the Fatima blush. I, well, see, I'm a layman here, man. With when Bond, so I'm, I'm relying. You're the expert. But I remember watching a Bond movie and a very sophisticated, very lo- expensive looking pen yeah. is handed to Bond. And he's like, you know, oh, this is fantastic, whatever. But it's a bloody gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the actual, uh, the lid of the pen, that little sticky thing that comes down where you can put on your pocket, yeah. that's actually the yeah. re- reloading chamber <laughs> thing. It's just ridiculous. It's so silly. Um, yeah, I know. So, the, yeah, you're right. Like, the gadgets, whilst there's probably, an, there is an element of product placement, but they, they do become entwined and part of it, part of the, the culture and the lore of it all. Um, but yeah, the spy who loved me as well has got that, you know, it's an under, the villain has an undersea, um, you know, an undersea lab type thing, which even if look at team America, right? Every time I say, you know, <laughs> Kim yes. Jong-il, you know, he's under the water and he's looking out and uh, Hans Briggs. <laughs> Hans Briggs uh, I hate that freaking guy. Yeah. <laughs> I told you before, I, had to, I don't have any weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> So Hans Bricks, you know, but he's looking out and he's there's a shark. There's and, all a that shark and actually, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, Hans Bricks ends up being eaten by a shark. That's right. That's, there's a little ragdoll getting eaten by a shark. Yeah, that's the, sort of similar to the spy who who loved me with um I'm sure it's Kurt Jurgens who's the the villain in this one. And it's again over the top silliness, Jaws, the unstoppable yeah. um villain. Yeah. Who um James Bond uses a magnet to um to eventually get away from him when the undersea world is collapsing, but he decided to not keep the magnet on, and that would have kept that would have killed Jaws because he would have drowned. But anyway, he didn't do it. So, um, to me, that's one of the that's probably the peak of Roger Moore. The Roger Moore years. The Roger Moore years. And that was sorry, what year was that again? Sorry, that's seventy seven. Seventy seven. Okay. Um. So after that, Moonraker. Um, seventy nine. And seventy nine. Yeah, spot on. And for your eyes only, Moonraker got criticised. Okay, so Star Wars has come out by then, right? Yep. So. Um, what are the, that franchise needs to do adapts it follows the trend of all the space movies so Moonraker as a novel is very different to Moonraker as a movie um, but um, so yeah they set it in space um, they've done a space before on um, You Only Live Twice because there was a, the rockets getting kidnapped and so forth they actually recycle a lot of the themes a lot yeah. of the villains and a lot of the themes and so forth like that um, but yeah, Moonrake is the space one, and it got really silly. Laser guns in space, um, Jaws returns in that. Um, again, I don't mind it. Drax, I think, is a great villain. Um, the actor who played him as well, yeah. Is the he act- the guy with the gold teeth? No. Um, well, Drax actually just another. Drax ended up being in um, Ronan. Did you know that movie Ronan? Yeah, I've seen Ronan. Yeah, that's uh, with De Niro, Robert De, De Niro. Yeah, Is that right? Oh, that what a, a tangent. Yeah, uh, but that so Drax ended up being the guy who helps um, Robert De Niro when uh, yeah. Jean Paul Rena uh, uh, they go up and take the bullet out of him. But um, yeah, so Moonraker just really like took it to silly. I mean, it's been pretty silly before, but silly. Levels. That was really silly. Really I struggled. Silly. With, I got to be honest with you. That's probably. <clears throat> I probably made mistakes trying to get into Bond because I probably watched the wrong movies to get into it. And Moonraker was one of the first early movies I saw. Oh, yeah. As, probably- a, as a kid, actually. And I just remember... And you know I love space yeah, and yeah. science fiction and stuff like that. But I was like, huh? 
<laughs> what is what? Uh, no, <laughs> this doesn't make this sense. doesn't make any sense. So no, I always and that's what that was always the problem I had. I always thought it was just a really silly franchise, and yeah, that's my fault. But that was no, it's not your but, fault. No, no. Well, no, because in retrospect, I kind of wished I had the knowledge you've got about Bond, because you know what I mean, like because there's so much history with Bond, and I've I kind of ignored it. Ah, oh, look, yeah. I mean, yeah, how you get into what you like and what you don't like. It's I another, mean, yeah, it's right. Whole another. So, Moonraker, do you, as a fan, agree with a, a lot of people that say it was a pretty weak movie, over the top, uh, too too cheesy, too silly for for even a Bond movie? It's very silly, but I do uh, look. A lot of Bond movies, I feel, start out really strong. Like all of them start out quite strong, but then they just turn into a bit of a whole mush of a very long drawn out end sequence but by then all the especially the um more years always seem to have to have a big closing dramatic battle in a base that gets blown up yeah it gets tiring after a while um soundtrack wise actually i think moonraker soundtrack's awesome john barry composed a lot of it there's some really great it's a good album to listen to just by itself from that point of view. So there's pros and cons of it at all. Um, for yours, uh, for your eyes only was the next one, 1981. Um, they deliberately tried to bring that back to earth with yep. a bit more of a sort of a grounded storyline. Um, no, no pun intended. No pun intended. Yes. I had to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been done much. As well. No, it hasn't really been any jokes. No, there's been no jokes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So that brought it back, back to earth, back to, um, I think that's even what they said on one of the one of the um, you know the posters or something. Because they like copped that. a lot of backlash over Moonraker, didn't they? I think so. I think they must think have. Like, yeah. Um, again, another more. I think that's pre- it's a pretty solid movie. Like, soundtrack wise, I really enjoy it. Um, it's got a, a kind of a cool storyline where the um, the Bond girl's parents are, are murdered, so she's on a vendetta to go out and kill the people who murdered it and so forth. And Roger Moore has to bringing a line and all that kind of stuff. Stunning locations down in Greece and so forth and there's underwater scenes and all that kind of stuff. So the ending again is a bit weak and the villain probably is a bit weak. But um, yeah, but Moore's really sort of, you can sort of tell that he's, they're probably wanting to, Move maybe on. he's at the end of his tether. Yeah, because like, how many movies, movies he's done now? Five. He does, he does like seven in total. Right, I so think. he's right up to his fifth now. Yeah, he's, he does quite a few. I think he's, Probably the most. Um, he's, he's, the, he's the most. Uh, well, he's the, he did the most out of any other, any other actor, didn't he? Connery's done a few. There is that one that um, he did, which was not Eon production. That's another whole another story. Never say never again. But um, they did, yeah. So um, yeah, between Moore and Connery, they've done the most. Um, so the last two, the last two more ones are Octopussy and View to a Kill, and. Um, I think Roger Moore was probably in his 50s by then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even he said it was a bit creepy that, you know, the the girl, the Bond girls that he was with, they're old enough, you know, they were young enough to be his daughters or something like that. So that all got a bit weird and, yeah. and creepy. But um, look, View to a Kill, um, that actually has a young Christopher Walken as the villain. And Christopher Walken, I think, you know, that sort of jerky, staticky yeah. way of talking – he probably wasn't too much like I think as he got older, he's got that really quite iconic, funny way of speaking. Yeah, um, he he sort of has a little bit in Vudicu. I think he makes one of the best Bond villains you can get. Um, with um, 
with his um, portrayal. And that's funny. That's see, Bond is always ad- another thing about Bond too. It's always adapted within within its parameters. So you know, that's the the computer age, the silicon age. The you know they're starting the silicon chips and stuff like that. So you know, um, Zoran Max Zoran, who's a genetically engineered Nazi, you know, <laughs> kid. <laughs> Um, wanted to blow up or flood Silicon Valley so he can take, the, you know, control over, the, um, you know, the of the silicone chips or something like that and completely that kind of, you know, absolutely. Over, over the, top the top stuff, yeah. But Grace Jones, oh, again, yeah. I mean, when you think, you know, 80s iconicness female figures, Grace Jones. Slave to there. the rhythm, Grace um, Jones. And she's, a, I think she's excellent as yeah. a, um, again, a Bond antagonist. I actually have movie. seen this movie. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. look. Look, he's he's really looking old. Yeah, it's a movie that I think starts out stronger than it ends, um, and so forth. So I think that cops a bit of a bad rap. Video kill. So as a layman, that was my only thought watching Roger Moore, who I liked uh, as a as a Bond. But I thought the guy's a little bit too old now to be rough and tumble as a spy, hanging out with all these younger women. It was a little bit weird. He, you know, it, it was a little bit. Yeah, you need to go out and retire on this one. I'm yeah, sorry, Roger he, Moore, as much as you're awesome. He acknowledged it. Yeah. Um, he says that. But again, going back to that sort of comment, he you can tell that he really loved playing Bond and he, he as he continued on in his life, you know, he was always he can always see he was one for um you know, yeah. expressing his yeah. enjoyment of that series. So they um Brought in Dalton for two for two more, which was controversial. Dalton wanted to bring it back serious, like to a more serious level in the nineteen eighties. Um, I again, I actually quite enjoy the Timothy Dalton movies, um, the Living Daylights and and um, License to Kill. Yep. Um, I think the three they've actually got pretty good theme, like intro musics as well. So, um, Aha did. Um, oh, wait, Aha did. A view to a kill. Just going to look this up, folks. We don't want to get it wrong. He's on a roll, though. Yeah, Aha, sorry. Aha did um, The Living Daylights. And Duran Duran did um, A View to a Kill. So they're really using that, you know, the modern pop songs yep. um, quite well, I think, at this stage as well. Because we're talking mid-80s here, aren't we? Yeah, so um, Living Daylights with was 87 and License to Kill was like 989 or something oh, like okay, that. Okay, right. So... um. Yeah, but uh, he copped Dalton copped a lot of criticism and flack. He was too serious. He didn't, you know, the um, I don't know. He um, he didn't have the the pizzazz, I suppose, of more what followed before it. But they're really quite dark and gritty. Um, you know, um, Living Daylights is sort of about heroin and that trade, right, and, okay. and License to Kills um, about cocaine and and drug dealing. And that's got some brutal. License to Kills got some pretty brutal. Um, moments and action scenes in it as well. Yeah. So um, just skipping along, uh, look, Brosnan's probably at my weakest. Um, Bond. Uh, Bond. Um, gold, just on a little bit of a tangent, and Bond seems to have transcended other genres, and I know you've mentioned this before in your podcast, but when you think of GoldenEye, I actually think of the GoldenEye video game. Oh, yeah, on the N64. And how yep. important that was to video games, because I believe that's one of the most important first-person shooters that game, time. well, see, for the N64, it was probably the most successful game on the N64. And it was one of the very first, 
I'm not going to say it was the first, but it was one of the first multiplayer type split screen games. Yeah. I remember playing it, and I yeah, a lot of a it. lot of people. Well, it might not have been the first or one of the first, but it was certainly one of the most popular yeah. in the nineties because that whole split screen local player um, multiplayer uh, game was was mind blowing for a lot of people at home on a home console. So yeah, yeah and that was a that was a Bond uh, licensed game, and I don't know about the Bond games actually. I don't know. I, that's another topic, I guess, for another game. The another day for, for the games that were licensed for for James Bond. And I don't think there's a lot, actually. There's a few. Um, GoldenEye's the most. GoldenEye's the most iconic. Most iconic. Yeah. And I believe there's fans of even, I mean, I'm probably wrong, but um, who aren't really super Bond fans, but who really enjoyed GoldenEye as a game. Uh, I know people that had never, who knew less about Bond than I do mm. and love that game. But have you, have you played it? In yeah, recent times? Not in recent times. It's pretty bad. Oh, is it? You, I tell you, man. It's we nostalgia. All, it's nostalgia. nostalgia it's rose-coloured glasses and shit. But you play that game in the modern world and you will not believe how bad it is. Oh, God. It's not, it, it didn't hold up well. Okay. But then again, I would say many games of that generation, like the the PlayStation 1 generation and, and the Saturn generation and the N64 generation, that, that era didn't hold up well because they used the 3D polygon type uh, uh, design and it, and it just doesn't look good. Right. And it doesn't, and it's horrible in terms of controls <laughs> and the frame rates got I remember awful. the controller being pretty fragile. Oh, the N64 controller was awful. I, people are shit on me now because Super Simon's listening to this going, no, you're wrong, Retro <laughs> Dan. It was superb. It was an, an, a, a, it, it was absolutely an amazing control. And I go, well, Super Simon, I agree. We'll have to agree to disagree. But I, um, I have played that game, not recently, but only a few years ago, and I couldn't believe. I couldn't it's believe. It's just, okay. Yeah, it's All not right. what you remember. I will keep my memory of that. Keep it as it bank. is. Yeah, keep it in the as it, what, a happy place. Happy place, <laughs> like Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> ha- think of your happy place. Don't ruin your happy place by playing that game. Um, yeah. Look, no disrespect. Look, there's. A, I think there's a lot of good in the Brosnan years. Um, I actually think his his actual acting and his character is pretty quite a good Bond as well. You know, I, I look I, again. I, I'm a layman. I remember Brosnan being. At least in terms of appearance and, and the way he acted, I thought he was fine. Because he, he brought that suaveness, in my opinion, back. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, that Roger Moore had. Yeah. They wanted, as I mentioned before, they wanted him, I think, earlier than when they got him. Yeah. Um, to it, be. So they had they had their eye on him as playing the character. Um, and he got four, what, four movies out of it. So... Um, um, the first two probably are the strongest in my opinion, but Die Another Day got really silly with invisible cars and, you know, strange tech and just over the top. Madonna did the soundtrack. Um, would have I'm been sure a, it was Madonna. Would have been an interesting um, soundtrack for her to do. Yeah. I, anyway, that, that's, look, yeah, people out there might like it. To me, that's my least sort least of favourite. Favorite. I remember even in that time sort of losing interest, even when they were, you know, that's about 2002, I think, when they came out. Yeah. I remember that just not even being that interested. But then it comes into the Craig era, which completely, that Two, was done as a 2006 reboot. for... 2006. Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Yeah. So whatever, whatever licence problem they had with, obviously, Casino Royale had been long gone. 
Um, it's still the same people who produce. It's still Eon coming through. Barbara Broccoli, who's this daughter of the one of the two guys who set it up, started it. Michael Wilson, another producer, is um, still involved. Who'd been around for a little while. Um, so yeah, they. I think they did a great reboot, a rehash. Yeah. Well, again, I went in as a layman and I didn't realize that uh, they'd never actually made Casino Royale as a movie, did they? That was the first. This is the first, the well, first true interpretation. True, yeah, exactly. Of it. So true interpretation of the very first Ian Fleming novel. Yeah. And Daniel Craig was the new Bond. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I thought Daniel Craig was what I always wanted Bond to be. Even though I liked Roger Moore as a layman again, I liked the sophistication and the suaveness that he had. But I didn't but I thought I always thought there was not enough of an edge to him. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or any of these Bonds. But then Daniel Craig came in and he was suave when he needed to be, but then he was also also very uh, ruthless yeah, as yeah. well and very and quite brutal. And so I, I loved Casino Royale. I really did. Roger Moore um, has been quoted as feeling uncomfortable about the killing side of 007, which go, does go against, you know, what his character is. Like yeah. there's in um, For Your Eyes Only, he kicks one of the um, antagonists off is in a car, kicks him off and pushes him over the cliff. And there was discussion about on the set about how Roger Moore really did feel quite uncomfortable with that. So he didn't really lot that as his character. But clearly, obviously, Daniel Craig is, isn't it's a completely well, it's two decades but away. But see, that's how I imagine. I mean, these guys are supposed to be spies, yeah, espionage I, agents, or whatever you want to call them. Surely they're going to have to make a decision if it's if it comes to the crunch, they're going to kill people. Yeah, that's, that's how right. I always. In, again, as the layman would would interpret it as someone like that, and I'm and I always like the su- the suaveness and you know, you know that kind of side of things. But I I like what Daniel Craig how they uh, either he put the uh, reimagined it or the studio told him that's what we want you to do. But he came across in that in the way that I actually could um, understand better than the previous. Yeah, Bonds, yeah, yeah, right. Even though I liked Roger Moore, I understood Daniel Craig better. They'll probably and age. It, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, and, it, and had it, the, the cheesiness sort of went away a bit. The campiness oh, totally. went away. Yeah, with Casino Royale, it sort of went away a bit. And I liked, actually, liked that. It was a bit more believable, which I know sounds crazy because you're still talking about them running through wars and driving fast cars and all that silliness. But I believed it a bit more. Yeah, maybe the Bourne series had a bit of a impact on on that because remember Born so. came out yeah. I think probably a couple of years before yeah. the first Born and that was very widely successful yep. or received um, I can't remember off the top of my head if the second Born had come out by then but you know that was really gaining traction into and I know some people I know they, they were like very dismissive of Bond at points and then were like oh well Born is shown the new way, and that yeah. Well, you know what? Seriousness. Well, that's the other thing too. Like that era, like the two thousands, action movies were very different to what they were back in the seventies and the eighties, right? That's right. Particularly the seventies and the sixties too, I should say. So they had to probably reinvigorate or reimagine Bond to be a bit more of an action hero, like your your Bournes, your Jason Bournes. And I look, I um, I quite like the Bourne series with that Matt Damon was part of and I, that's why I like Casino Royale I just felt that it was a bit more realistic yeah I know it's not realistic but it felt like more, it was more realistic yeah it's, it is grounded but, um, but people didn't like it though did they 
fantastic feel. People, were, the the true believers, the true fans were a bit. There was a bit of a, it was a bit polarizing, wasn't it initially? Oh, uh, look, I don't actually remember that much criticism against it. I think the main thing was is that Daniel Craig just visibly didn't look like how historically... That's what I'm picking up on, sorry. Yes, that's that was the issue. He didn't look like a traditional Bond Yeah, in their eyes. Again, in I don't know, my opinion, I think that because it's been running for so long, it's, it's a franchise that we're seeing this in a lot of the movies at the moment that it seems to be getting changed from what they what they historically were into a new mould that people are struggling with. Yeah. And I think Bond is a classic example of that exact franchise that people really struggle with, um, you know, the core aspects of it dramatically changing. Yeah. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yeah. it's been going on for so long and and has obviously sold so many movies. Why, why muck that up? So obviously you've got to move with the times. But if the core structure of it changes too much, then you're going to have a bit of a backlash. Yeah. Even something as simple as, well, Bond is, is not, doesn't have black hair. You know, that kind of, which, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a movie series, but people really do take that, you know, to they, heart. To yeah. heart. Um, I like Casino Royale. It punches. It's got, um, Le Chief is a, I think he's a great villain. Um, the, the um, Bond girl Vespa, she's excellent. Um, was the soundtrack by Chris Cornell? Uh, yeah, so Chris yeah. Cornell did that opening um, the opening track, that, and that punch awesome. that song really hits. Yeah, and, you know, cracks it in yep. like what a from going from the Brosnan, Brosnan era. Say what you like about it, you know, from a Madonna soundtrack, well, Madonna, you know, theme song, having a bit of a break and coming in with a rock orientated track. It really, dude, I can tell you, I can remember clearly. I think. It was definitely you and my and myself and the drunken monkey. We went to the movies yeah. to watch Casino Royale, and I'll be honest, I kind of went along for the ride because I knew you were a big Bond fan, and he he drunken quite, monkey's a big Bond fan. He too. is too, yes, he is, but he'll always defer to you in terms of Bond knowledge, right? I think, and we I, I, we sat down at the movies there, and then when the opening credits rolled, and it, the graphics looked cool too, with the whole you know the yeah, the, uh, cards the, the cards flying. floating around, it was all animated. And then when the song started off and the Chris Cornell song started off, I'm like, that's Chris Cornell, man. And then immediately I'm like, this is now modernized. This is punchy. This is awesome. And I was quite cool that the, the credits rolled for what, a couple of minutes. And then bang, we're in, a, we're in a brand new era with Daniel Craig. And I was, I was, I was sold. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was cool with that. It was, a, 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 it's, you know, arguably one of the better reboots of a series that's actually worked. I mean, I know we're hearing. I don't want to get in that rabbit well, hole. We'll, we'll Star get, Wars, we'll get and Star there at Trek. The end, yeah. I hear about your your comments about what that on the previous podcast, but that that Casino Royale reboot, in my opinion, I reckon that worked pretty well. That was a that was a, that's how you should do reboots. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah. There's a lot of I don't think any none of these movies are no. perfect. There's all there's things I don't like about it, but it did pretty well. Quantum of Solace followed that. Um, Wham, Again, wham, wham. 2008 started out so that yep. continuation on like of um, Casino Royale into into Quantum of Solace, you know the car chase scene, all that kind of stuff just went so well. I, I even there's still things in Solace I do like. I like the villain. I like um, I like the you know the imagery, the scene, the locations to go to. But yeah, that that weird ending 
that weird sort what of. What was the ending all about? The hotel and what? in the middle of, in the middle of a desert, the fire extinguishers. Yeah, it's almost coming back to the silliness of the um, yeah, but of the original, you know, the, the earlier movies. But it was not even the silliest. See, the whole thing about the original movies was, in my opinion, as a layman, correct me if I'm wrong. That was the universe. The universe was campy, over the top. Leave your brain at the door slightly. Weird gadgets, suaveness, all that stuff. But the problem with Quantum of Solace is, is that it took itself seriously. Yeah, if you take yourself seriously... And you You're in s- trouble. And then you go yeah. silly. Then you go silly, right? And not only do you go silly, you go you do a complete 180. Yeah. That made no sense. Like, there's a hotel in the middle of a desert? Huh? What? Yeah. They never, there wasn't at the start of the movie. They didn't explain that at the start of the movie, but... Suddenly at the end, we're all expected to know what this shit is. You know what I mean? I just went, "Uh uh-huh, what? Okay. And that was the problem. It took itself a bit too seriously, in my opinion. It, um, yeah, it was a bit of a hiccup, um, on the, along the way. Look, Skyfall was the the following one. The next one. one. What, 2012? 2012. Yep. Um, I only just watched Skyfall pretty recently, actually. Um, I, I I think it's got, it's okay. It's Uh, It's a bit boring. If it you, is, yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what? You know what I'll say about Skyfall. I think they spent way too much time smelling their own farts, which to them smelt like roses. Yeah. And they loved all the imagery and all the, the the lights and all that sort of shit when they move up to Scotland there. Yeah. At the end of the movie with them to try and protect her, and it's all beautifully shot and it's all like very. Uh, the lighting's all wonderful and all that sort of stuff, but at the, the movie suffered. Yeah, it the, wasn't a Bond movie at that point, in my opinion. I don't think. Yeah, well, I suppose this is Sam Mendes who's doing who did Skyfall and Spectre. So you're right. Like I've heard some people comment that they say that these are like art movies. The way they've it got very you know, arty. That's a great way of putting shot. it. Yep. Um, they're quite dull, I think. In they're dull, but at some point, say they they use this lighting to really promote something. And it's all very arty and it, it, it looks very pretty. It just doesn't work as a, as a Bond movie, I don't think. Daniel Craig seems to have adopted a more, um, a you know, more he gets shot at the start, spoilers alert, a little spoilers alert. He gets shot at the start and then he's, you know, he recovers and pretends he's dead and he's, you know, the the alcohol comes into it again. I'm not quite convinced that Daniel Craig's Bond's an al- like alcoholic, to be honest. Yeah, why did they do that? There's no need for that. Well, that, that sort of goes back to the core of... Um, of the Bond character, he did drink a bloody lot. But um, I don't know, they seem to sort of make it in your face a lot with the Daniel Craig one that he's, you know, he's downtrodden. Oh, uh, yeah. He, you know what? Daniel Craig's Bond was downtrodden, uh, tired, beat tired. up, a yeah. thug. You know, he's yeah. a bit of a thug. Uh, he would, he's a bit cunning, he's a bit ruthless. He'd do whatever he needed to do to get the job done, even if that meant killing people. Whereas Roger Moore, in my opinion, was always clean cut, uh, was above everybody else's station. Um, you know, he, he mingled with high, high rollers and all that sort of stuff, and he would not kill anybody because he was better than that. Yeah, they played very, very different. Yes. And you've had a couple, you've had, you know, a, a bond in between Moore and and um, Daniel Craig. Yeah, Skyfall, um, sorry, moving on, Spectre to Skyfall as well. Similar tone, I guess, in that I Spectre I thought was pretty disappointing. I've not seen Spectre, so you're going to have to help me out on yeah. it. Yeah, oh, I won't. I've, now you can spoil no it because I got because I know it's not what I have it from very good authority that I don't need to bother watching it. 
Spectre brings back... 2015, aren't we? Talk, we're talking 2015? Yeah, Spectre brings back um, the character of Blofeld. Um, and oh, I don't know, I think... Where do they... Do they waste him in it, I suppose? Um, yeah, I, again, it was very... It's Mendy's Dark, I suppose. Um, you know, there's not much colour. Bond... Daniel Craig really did look tired. I think that's yeah. You know what that that's the whole point. So in Skyrim, he was. So, you know what the problem I have with it's not Daniel Craig. It's the changes within Daniel Craig, and I don't know if it's intentional or it was him. But Casino Royale, he looks like he's uh, fresh. Yeah, he's 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 got energy. He's ready to he's ready to mess people up. All this sort of stuff. Uh, Skyfall, he's a bit more. Uh, Somber, yeah, a bit more morose. I'll use that word morose. Morose, that's a big it's a good word. Sounding word, morose. Morose. It, you know what I mean? He's a bit more somber and he's a bit more uh, contained within himself. And then, from what I've heard of, with Spectre, he's like, oh, he's he's tired. He's almost like a has been. He's not really into it. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen it. Don't yeah, know. I'd agree with that. You'd I agree think, with that. I think um, Christopher Waltz was underutilized as well as the villain, main villain. And, and I think, I don't know, probably Bond is, at this point, if, if it, you call it a criticism, is, is sort of struggling to understand where it, I mean, the script sort of goes that way as well, like where it fits in the modern world, where Bond fits in the modern world. And um, I don't know. I, I think that's, it's actually, a, it's, a, it's okay. It's still got its moments. It's got some good imagery, uses the car, uses the Aston. There's some okay action scenes in it. But, um, It'll always have those fast cars and the fast yeah. gadgets, and it really, <clears throat> up until this point, had the fast women. We'll get to that. At, at such What's his name? But um, Batista's Dave Batista. Yeah. He was in the wrestling. Yeah, uh, and the Guardians, of the, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, am I getting that name? No, right? he, no, it was Dave Batista, and he was in Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit like a Jaws type Terminator esque, unstoppable villain. Yeah. So they're they're still reusing and re, sort of rehashing ideas. Yeah, and then yeah, look. Now we're sort of up to speed with No Time to Die, which is the next one that comes out in April April 2019, which yep. has had a troubled production, I believe. Let's talk about it. Um, yep. Craig, um, you know, went on record to say he wanted to, he never wanted to be Bond again after Spectre. Something must have happened on that. You know what? I, yeah, he said he, you know, he came out and said he would rather sl- slash his wrist. Mate, he has said some ridiculous things, and I'm amazed that he actually got the gig again because he said stuff like, "I'd rather slash my wrist to then rather than do another Bond movie. It doesn't matter how much money they throw at me." Um, all sorts of stuff. And, and you know what? People picked up on, again, I haven't seen Spectre, but people picked up on it that he just looked like a guy going through the motions, doing what he had to do to, 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 to finish his time as a Bond and do something else, right? I think he even did an interview somewhere where he said he didn't want to be pigeonholed and, and, and typecast as Bond. That was his big fear. So he yeah. wanted to get out of there. So he's he's obviously somehow swallowed some humble pie and he's come back and do, and he's doing another yeah an, another bond they walked he walked away probably took a respite maybe and but it sounds like the thing's in chaos because I, I sent you a video last week about how there's some changes with uh bond how uh there's no traditional bond girl for the first time quote yeah. unquote for the first time in bond history that's what i was asking you has it always been a bond girl because i was got i knew 
that this movie coming up in, in 2020 is going to be what they say is the first movie that they don't have a Bond girl in it and he's actually getting married. I believe that from this, it's kind of going against how I watch movies um, with the Bond because I usually don't research and I don't, I like going to a movie same. knowing nothing. Because I get disappointed. Absolutely nothing yeah, I'm the about, same. about it. Um, but this one, look, for I've decided to, um, you know, read up a bit and, and, you know, take a bit of an interest in where it's going. Because, it, yeah, it's, they say this is the first, you know, bond within the Me Too movement, which is a, um, seems to be impacting a lot of the genre, genres yeah. around at the moment. It's the first movie they've – well, this time on set, allegedly, it's like and, – and, again, I'm no expert. I don't know any sources. I don't have any sources. I'm just reading from other material. So this is, could be right, could be wrong. As a, I'm just a, a fan yeah. of, of it, so I'm just putting in my opinion. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's the word Bond girl is not allowed on set, so there's a new change as well. Um, Barbara Broccoli has come out and said, you know, she needs to adopt, they need to adopt and move with the times um, and has sort of quoted the Me Too movement. Bond's always moving with the times. You know, I've always felt yeah. like within a varying degree. Yeah. Um, I don't know though, and what I've seen, I don't know if, uh, I don't think or know it might be as bit of, uh, what's been reported to be the train wreck or it's going to bomb that it might have because I think you've still got enough people who will go and see it and spend their money in the event that it is and it's probably got enough worldwide captured audience. I think, though, that if they did muck around with the basic formula too much, knowing the history and knowing that it's been basically the same thing all along and if it ain't broke, don't fix it, um, you know, it could it could maybe go down the path as like what we've seen with other movies. See, here's the thing: like, uh, it's very easy to jump on the bandwagon that says things are woke without actually having seen them at all. Yeah. Like, we don't know really what this movie's going to be like. No, it's not out yet. It won't be out till April next year, at the time of this recording. And um, so, so people, sorry, so people are saying, well, you know, it's it's following all these other movies that are currently woke because. James, there's no Bond girl. James Bond gets married in this movie. He actually has been married before. So he got married in A Majesty's Secret Service. So that kind of thing. That's what I mean. People jump on shit, right? Yeah. But then they're saying, well, sh she won't take his name because uh, uh, she, she wants to retain her identity. And people are running away saying crazy things about that. But you know what? I know a lot of women particularly in business that never took their, their partner's or husband's name because it was more convenient, especially medical pr practitioners because if you they've, they've got all these medical journals and all these publications they've written in their maiden name, changing their name's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And, it, what's, and it, what's in a name? So who gives a shit, right? And people are getting a little bit upset about that stuff and I don't, get, I don't care about that stuff. That doesn't worry me at all. Um, ha not having a Bond girl, well... That doesn't really worry me either because does it add to the story or detract from the story? Really? Do well, we know? We don't know. It doesn't I, worry me. I think, yeah, well, the story, the basic story premise um, is Bond is in retirement after the events of Spectre and he's down in Jamaica. So, they're, again, they're teasing all these classic, you know, Jamaica is actually the spiritual home of James Bond where it was written, where the, you know, the first movie Eon production was and that they're, they're teasing all these things and they bring him back out. Yeah. So again, it's got the exotic locations. Um, Remy, I've never been asked his surname, Remy Malik. 
is the oh, yeah, is yeah. the villain. He was Mr. Was, Robot, and he did uh, um, the Queen movie. The Queen movie. So again, he's probably probably going to be good. Yep. Um, a lot of the same cast are coming back as well. There is that controversy though about um, Lashana Lynch's again. Hopefully, I've got that pronounced right. But her character, whether this is teased by media to create interest, I don't know. Like calling her like you know the next black female Bond. Like oh I yeah, wonder, I wonder yeah. if sometimes this is done to just create well create. Any sort of controversy, because you know that any controversy is good controversy and so yeah. all of that. But whatever it says is that it's not going to happen. Anyway, we'll wait and see. But um, the designation of her character being a double O from double O seven to double O one. But I do think that it would be a shame if they, if somehow I, I don't understand how Bond could not be at least as close to a iteration of how it traditionally was from day one, which is. James Bond. Well, there's a couple of things. And all these elements. Well, I, I, I agree, right? There's a couple of things here to unpack, right? The first thing is, from the from the actual source material, which is the novels written by Ian Fleming, James Bond was always male, he was always white, yep. and he was always British, or he was from the UK. Yeah, well, right? the Scottish interest, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But, 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 day, he, but that's, where he, that's where he was from, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the source material. If you tamper or deviate from that, you're at risk of being completely uh, alienating the fan base. Yeah, you're that- really you're at risk of doing that. Now, when what what happened with this movie that's coming up? From my understanding, is originally there there was a massive massive rumor suggesting that uh, Bond would be replaced at some point, either after this movie or during this movie, with a female Bond. Yeah, a female 007. Yeah, right. Now, when you start doing things like that, you are 100% tampering with the, with the universe now because whether it's right or wrong, there was always a male 007, James Bond. And I don't know, and I, to me, I smell a rat. I smell the studio backpedaling because a lot of fans of the, of the uh, universe or the Bond universe were really outraged to hear that potentially there might be a female Bond. Yeah. Because... Everyone knows that every Bond that was ever written in Ian Fleming's novels was male. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, so, so it sounds like to me there's been a bit of backpedaling pe- because now they're saying they're putting in a female agent. Double was it zero one one? Yeah. Now, well, the design- zero double one. Right. It's reported the designation's double o one. Yeah, double o one. Sorry. So, so that sounds to me like they're sl- they're trying to integrate a female character in there. That's fine. I wouldn't have any issues with. Female agents, but that's not, I would expect that. Why would you have only male agents if you're an if you're a spy agency? You wouldn't you wouldn't have that, right? No. You'd you'd want female agents for sure, right? But what but what I'm saying would be a huge problem is is if they completely wiped away a male 007 and put in a female 007. Yeah, it, only because the universe, which is which has always been based on, has had a male character. I agree. That's the only thing. It would severely damage. It would damage the legacy, and you'd probably it'd be the well, end. How of could it the be series. a bond? How could it be a bond? Yeah, exactly. A bond uh, yeah. movie. How can it be a bond movie? So um, I I was kind of thinking and knowing about how the same production team has been for so long, all the way through Bond. I don't quite, and I'm sure Barbara Broccoli has come out, who's one of the head producers, has come out and says Bond will be a male. 
that's she's come out and said that. And right. she's been involved with her. That's her father's legacy who yeah. bought the rights for the film all the way through. And the same producers at this point. So I don't sense that. I can't imagine. We won't know. No, Again, see, I'm not a sort. No, we don't know. We don't know. But I find it unlikely that it's going to be um, messed around too much. See, see the, here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, there's been lots of examples and instances of movies or franchise franchises that have been tampered with to support certain groups, mm. right? But it's been at the detriment of that franchise, okay? And now it's become a bit of a easy thing for every movie that ever comes out that's of a major franchise for people to go, oh, it's woke, because we, we believe that it's a female uh, agent that's a 007 agent, Whereas that might not have actually been true. Maybe the studio's intent was always to introduce a female agent who works alongside James Bond. Well, if that's the case, who gives a shit? Yeah, no, right? I agree with that. You know, I mean, look, but that does but, to me end up being like a bit of a almost another storyline, and I, I that would have to go off on its own tangent. I well, so what you're saying is now, it sounds like to me that they're deviating from the from the novels now quite substantially they ran out of the source material two decades ago okay so they've they can make up any old any old shit they want yeah but they still they still use and the they universe st- still use the universe yeah. and they still use some character names um the running title of um the running title of this movie shatterhand which was a bit of a weird name but that's from that's from the um you only live twice book which was spec um blowfield's um, pseudonym name type thing. So they're still using bits all the way through. I mean, the movie's peppered. This movie is peppered with historical things. They've still got the Aston Martin. Um, well, they can't. Well, with, the, with the ejector sheet hole in the top yeah. on the footage I've seen. So Well, you know, it's like Star Trek, right? I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of Star Trek. I'm not, because I know that's going to deviate us from too much uh, talking of Bond, and I'll be here for, for you know, 300 hours ranting about <laughs> that shit. But it'd be the same as taking away the Enterprise. Yeah. So you you, well, you could do it in theory. I mean, Star Trek has, has done that with Voyager. It was, you know, the Star Trek universe, but Voyager was the main vessel. But what what if it was, you know, the Enterprise never existed? That type of shit, right? It's the same thing. So if you're going to Bond universe, you, you kind of want to Aston Martin as the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know actually, what I mean? Well, the new another criticism, which I don't think is a criticism. I personally not a big fan of these things, but um, the elect the Aston Martin is an electric, electric Aston electric, Martin. Yeah. I mean that how I don't understand how that's really a criticism. No, it's just uh, nah. that's really silly. You know, again, people have got very good reasons to be outraged with certain things if they really love those franchises and those movies and universes. But sometimes people can pick holes in absolutely everything. Yeah. And I, I personally couldn't care less if James Bond's now driving a hybrid car or a freaking uh, Toyota Corolla. You know what I mean? I couldn't give a shit. But did they start suddenly change the core the fabric core fundamental of, the of that universe? Did they do that? Now, a core example of that would have been if they had have come up and said to you, uh, well, James, James Bond's now Jane, Jane Bond. And you're like, uh... Okay, I don't really care, but that's kind of messing around with the universe a bit. I don't know if I like this. You got a rant to talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah. You got a right to talk about it, but I don't know if driving an electric car really gives you a right to rant about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 
I mean, Rocket Russell and I have ranted for fucking far more in terms of the Formula One, which is going down to Disney Park Lane, but that's another story. For I don't know where you'll charge it. That's what I... I mean, where do you charge... James you Bond gets out of the car and he's like, oh, I've got to stop here. I've got to stop here. I need to charge my car. Yeah. Please don't chase, chase me while I'm you know, charging the car. I think... You know a- what I mean? Like, sorry, you know what I mean? Like, people can poke as many holes as they can before they actually see the movie and rant, rant for rant's sake... And sometimes they've got a really good reason for that because if they if it's been one hundred percent confirmed that you're changing the fabric of that universe to a point where you're like, hang on, that's not in the spirit of the universe. That the universe is very clearly defined. Like, you know, the Bond universe has got an advantage because there's been so many books. How many books were written by Ian Fleming? Do you know? Oh, look, I, that I don't know off the top of my head. It's got to be at least. 15. Okay, so there's quite a few books, right? Probably less. I'm not super. But there's quite a few books. Yeah, so yeah. so the universe has been well established by, by the original creator of it, okay? So if you go and change that now, people have got a right to go, well, actually, we can refer to all the novels that were ever written by Ian Fleming, who was the original creator of this shit, and we're not happy with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Star Trek. Same thing. It's been well, well created by Gene Roddenberry. We know about how that was created. We know the universe. Now you're messing with it. But when you're talking about electric cars that are the new the new norm, I don't I don't get upset by that shit personally. Yeah, I I do I wonder if they're taking note of what seems to be happening with a lot of these action based franchises that seem to be well they are, they're failing, aren't they? They're, they're yeah. the movie comes out, yeah. the core of it's changing and they're Really getting hammered in the box office. Uh, the Terminator one. Yeah. I know we've spoken offline bring it up, yeah. about that, but yep. um, that's that's dead, isn't it? Yeah, that's, you, that is dead. Well, you know, as a dodo. well, you know why? Because not always. I'm not saying this about the Terminator movie because I haven't seen it. I've got no interest in seeing it because I I know it's going to disappoint me. But quite often these movies fail because the, the the creators or the studios behind the movie have to put in their own political agendas or their own personal opinions into the movie because this is this is a rabbit hole but you know movies have always been designed to subtly tell us about certain things like political uh, agendas or political opinions um you know, a guy like Tom DeLonge who was in Blink-182, right? You know this I've story. Heard, yeah. I've, so he created... Is, I he, think this is pretty interesting. He's created a, 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 an organisation called To The Stars where he's a massive UFO believer, right? He dropped out of Blink-182 to create this organisation and Rocket Russell, and, Rocket Russell and I have been, you know, trying to figure this out for so long now how the hell he could do that, but he has. And his idea is, is to try and create media in some way, shape or form for people to consume so they can get used to the idea of UFOs and aliens existing, right? And movies have been doing that for, for, for decades, right? And so if you're a studio and you're a head of a studio and you want to create a movie and you really believe that you want to put in a particular uh, opinion or something to just subtly tell people what you think, you can easily do it, mm. Right. You really can. I'm not saying that's what they've done for Terminator and I'm not saying that's what they've done for or they're going to do for Bond, but I think people are seeing through this shit. Yeah, it you sounds know, like, like the Terminator bit by killing, well... Well, see, you messed around with the universe. Yeah, that's the problem. The see, core bit. That's right. So so the problem with Terminator Kill, is... Killing off that very important character. That's for right. For those who want to see it and haven't seen it. 
Um, but see, that's the problem. Problems. Yeah. So here's the problem, right? Some of these franchises are really well established, like Terminator. Bond has got way more material than Terminator does because there's novels out there. It's been going since what the '60s. So when you come into a movie and you've changed the fabric of that universe to a point where 90% of the fans that are really invested in that can see straight through it, they're going to go, bullshit. They're going to call bullshit, right? And that's the problem with Terminator. I think because that universe was always very much uh, pivotal on one particular character and they've done something to that character, 90% of people have gone, well, you've just killed this now. Because the very first movie you produced in 1984, James Cameron and everybody else, you've told us a story that one particular character is a very uh, pivotal part of the future of this universe, right? Key. Is key. And if it, you know what? The best thing is, with fucking Terminator, if he dies, we're fucked. So what do they do in the new one? He's fucking dead. They pulled an Alien 3 on him, right? So you know an Alien 3, and we, yeah. we could talk about aliens another time, how much we love that shit, but... In Alien 3, two of the characters that we got really invested in, one of them we loved, which was um, Hudson. Sorry, yeah. Hicks, sorry. Hicks. 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 He he gets uh, killed and so does Newt. Newt. But without any explanation, after the credits rolled, oh, they did. (laughs) And you're like, what the fuck, what? And Ripley spent all that time in Aliens to try and save Newt as well as, you know... uh, Hicks trying to, you know, help her to to achieve her goal, but within the the rolling of the credits in Alien Three, they're dead. What they the got fu- turned into Poochies because Poochie in the Simpsons, I don't know if you remember, but that episode when they brought in him, then Poochie had to go away to space now or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. You see what I mean? They've fundamentally changed the universe there. But yeah. Terminator is a really bad, like a really uh, good example of when somebody's made a decision that's made making that movie that. We're going to take the main centerpiece of this universe that everybody... See, a simpleton can understand what the premise of Terminator is. Have to save John Connor because he leads the resistance against Cyberdyne in the future. <laughs> and without him, we're fucked, right? Because we've, we've come back in time and we're telling you this shit. Mm. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> what? What? What have you done? You know? So now that whole universe is... Un- is ru- unraveled it's gone and so with james bond or the bond universe and i don't know anything about this new movie only from what nerds are raging on about putting in an electric car to replace a db9 that's not so much it's not a problem right but if you replace bond with a with a female agent and her name is jane bond i can understand why people get upset about it yeah right but Putting in a female agent to work alongside Bond, I have absolutely no problem with that. I think that's fine. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, part of me is still looking forward to the next movie. Again, you're a sucker I'm for a punishment. Of, I'm a sucker for punishment. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> um, I'll hold judgment until it's watched. That's was, all you can do. I'm disappointed can't, by all the you can do. Movie. Well, that's it. All you can do is if if a te- if a tidbit of information comes your way and go, you know what. If that turns out to be true, I won't be happy with that. But you can't, in my opinion, you can't rant and rave too much until you actually get confirmation from a studio yeah. to say this is what's going to happen. That's right. Right? Yeah. And like I said, I've, I've repeated myself a couple of times now. 
If it doesn't change the fabric of the universe, how can you get upset by it? Putting in an electric car to replace, to make, which is James Bond's new car, who cares? And to not have a, James, uh, a, a Bond girl might be completely plausible if James Bond gets married, which he does apparently in this movie. Yeah, well, the well, fuck? that's what they've. Well, so w- that's actually a good th- good thing. You don't want James Bond to be te- te- temptation, <laughs> like in The Simpsons. My wandering fingers, <laughs> my wandering hands. You don't want him to go around and have fun with all these other women. He's married now. You know, like that. That's completely plausible, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. A, sort of a little bit against. <laughs> it is it, uh, what what he's. True, his character was, but anyway. Yeah, but you know um, what I'm saying, yeah. though. But even if there was no, uh, well, I can I can see somebody arguing against me on this because I could see their side of their point of view. If there's no Bond girl, that is a change of the universe because pretty much every movie there's been a Bond girl, hasn't yeah, there? Every everyone, everyone's been a Bond girl, right? Maybe I don't know, man. If he gets married. He's been married before. He's married okay, when he was married in that movie, what was the movie? Her Majesty's Secret Service. So, okay, in that movie. It didn't last long. It <laughs> <laughs> didn't last long? No. How come? Uh, he found was, a Bond girl. No, she's, she was killed. <laughs> she's a, Diana Riggs' character. She was, um, yeah, she was murdered. Well, you, yeah, I suppose you need to look Which brings her. back the brutality of the series. Yeah, you know, well, that's right. Well, I guess a Bond girl in that point can, can work. Because <laughs> he needs to find new love. He's lonely. Well, again, being yeah. being a secret agent being would be like a secret assassin agent. Is lonely a, is business, work. absolutely. Yeah. So I can understand that, but it's very plausible if they write it well enough, and they say he's married, right? Have, not having a Bond girl is plausible. Mm. I, I wouldn't cry over that, right? But I think people have got a right to be angry about replacing James Bond with a female character. Yeah, I really do think they've got a point with that. But probably going to kill it. I think they will too. They'll, they will. Yep. And you know what? And the way around that is, is because, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, Ian Fleming never really stipulated in any of the books that uh, 007 has to be male. Oh, 007 no. was just a number assigned to the agent well, that worked in, uh, was it M5? Well, What was the agency, M5? M I six. M I six. Sorry. Well, Fleming Fleming's Bond is based on his loosely on his own stories because he that's how he wrote it. Oh right. So, so he was he was in the agency in in Britain during the war. Okay. And that, so it's based and a lot of his characters are based on people he know like the names of characters are based on people he knows. So yeah, it's it's sort of his own interpretation of his own life. Yeah. To a certain point. But you could have a female play that. Oh, yeah. I you suppose. could. You could. But if you did, right, I think the real fans of that universe would be like, uh, what? That's not what James Bond has yeah, been. No, I think you'll lose. You'll lose a yeah. lot of people if you do that. But I, again, I, I have no issue with a partner in crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? What's wrong with that? I don't have a Because he's still there. A Robin to his Batman. Exactly, a Robin to his Batman. Well, that's another thing. What if, you know, like Batman was, you know, replaced with, um, I know, Robin. <laughs> Batman dies and Robin's now Batman. I think that's probably fucking happened and people are going, actually, that did happen <laughs> in edition number two in 1965 or some bullshit. Some, some friggin' nerd's going to be... 
you know, oh, no, you've got that all wrong. That's, that has already happened. Who knows? There's too much. The rabbit hole's too deep with all this shit. A very big rabbit hole. It is. Are you satisfied with everything we've said about Bond? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Thanks again. No, man, I, I appreciate I, it. I'm a, well, yeah. I was going to ask you a question, two questions, or oh, three before we finish up, very quickly. Favourite uh, Bond? Uh, Favourite Sean Connery is probably my favourite Bond. Okay, favourite Bond movie? Um, it's, oh, God, I mentioned before. I've had a brain lab. It's, um. It happens when you do this. Um, the Spy Who Loved Me. Sorry. And favourite Bond villain? Uh, Jaws. And can I ask you one last question? Do you think Pedro's a Bond villain? Because I do. Actually, yeah, yeah. Now, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard of the mysterious Pedro. Oh, you time. know him. Don't <laughs> hold out on me. I cannot confirm. I don't want to confirm or deny that on the grounds I may incriminate myself. But I think he's a Bond villain. But, uh, by the way, he's me. been sort of mentioned on this podcast. He could, he could actually potentially be a very good Bond villain. I sitting so. away somewhere in his lair, plotting against Retro Dan somehow, stroking a cat. And that he's, sounds really weird. And he's sitting there going, <laughs> I'll get you, Retro Dan. Yeah, instead of instead of just like in Austin Powers, Scott, whatever his name is, that classic line, he says, look, I can, we can go kill him like right now. I've got a gun in my bedroom. I can just go and get a gun and shoot him. You'd, he'd be plotting some elaborate way of of seeing your demise anyway. I think that I think that's exactly Shout out to it. Pedro. Shout out to Pedro, the suppressive personality Bond villain. <laughs> He'd be a good Bond villain. He I would think. be. He'd be a great Bond because you know what he'd say: lies, <laughs> all of it, lies. You know what? He'd have a I'll machine. I'll give you the red hot tip. I'll give you the red hot tip. You know what he'd have? A machine that makes you say all sorts of lies, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd have another machine, like a truth machine. So you have to tell the truth. But you know what the problem is? Is that everything I say, Pedro, is the fucking truth. Computers would be involved, though, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, computers. And, and you know what he'd do? He'd make the world where. T-shirts, I'm only here because my server's down. down. <laughs> i tell you what. And those headsets. i tell you something about Pedro before we go very, very quickly, right? Speaking of watches, right? One day we'll talk about watches. We might do a podcast on it. Pedro buys a watch, a Tag Heuer. Oh, yeah. He spent Very a lot of money. He spent a lot of money on it, dude. I think it was a Tiger Woods one. You're right. And... uh uh, you know how much they are. They're a lot of money, right? They've got to be a couple cheap. of grand, a couple of G, I think. Anyway, he buys one of them and he's walking around the house with the watch on. And he's he's kind of like showing it off. And he says to me, what do you think of my watch? I said, well, your watch is fantastic. It's a couple of grand. But the clothes <laughs> you're wearing wouldn't add up to five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, on that note... <laughs> he's plotting. There's he's a, plotting, there's man. Plot. He's plotting. He's in the house, there is some elaborate map being built <laughs> that will pull back like a screen and it will, right. you know, it will bring up yeah. the music he's like that. There's plotting. He is plotting. He's going to fuck me up, I'm telling you yeah. now. Fantastic, Phil. Thank you for coming in and telling me all about Bond. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, man. Cheers. Jason Relaxation, thank you for coming in and being you. Don't go with changing. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And I have to say that this has been one of the fantastic most amazing podcast that you've ever done. And thank you, Fantastic Phil, for your knowledge on Bond. It has been informative. Thank you, Jason Relaxation. Thank you, Dad, for letting us use your garage. Thank you for the two people that have been listening to this bullshit podcast. I'm sorry about reading about fucking Bond. I can't help it. I wanted to be a spy ever since I was a little kid. It's a rabbit hole I can't get out of.
I secretly been plotting against the Russians for fucking ages. <laughs> it's something that I need to get out of because it's going to get me into big trouble. And I'm worried about Cyberdyne. I'm sure they're going to get me too. Yeah, that's right. Google's watching. They're always watching. And until next week, my little plotting spies will have some more tritum and more bullshit. But until then, you can roll it, muggies.